Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Air Warrior podcast. I am your host, Richard Thomas, and this week we discuss the tentative opening of defence exhibitions with an eye to September's DSEI in London, where the UK and wider global defence sector, both operators and industry, finally get a chance to meet after the COVID-19-induced hiatus. All of that coming up a little later on in the show. The news this week. After 20 months undergoing rework with Lom Praha, Czech Air Force MI-35 Hein 3362 has conducted its first flight from Klebi Air Base on July the 29th. The attack helicopter carried out 10 minutes of flight checks over the airfield before departing towards one of the ranges, returning an hour later. Standard practice sees platforms that have undergone such work performing three check flights before being delivered back to 221 Helicopter Attack Squadron at Namast nad Oslavu. The MI-24V 35s are set to be replaced by four AH-1Z Vipers and eight UH-1Y Venoms in 2023. However, it is still not clear if Lampraha will gain any work from the acquisition, as a $622 million US foreign military sale signed in December 2019 does not stipulate any offsets. Lockheed Martin expects that it will deliver fewer F-35 Lightning II fighters than planned to domestic and international customers through 2022, as an ongoing re-baselining of the program looks set to continue for some time to come. Speaking during a July 27th webcast detailing the company's first half performance for 2021, senior officials detailed that 2022 would see the delivery of more than the expected 139 aircraft this year, but fall short of the target for the next calendar year. Kenneth Possenreed, Chief Financial Officer at Lockheed Martin, stated that it was highly likely that deliveries of the F-35 in 2022 would fall short of the planned 169, but would not be less than the total handovers for 2021. And finally, UK Ministry of Defence announced on July the 29th that it has signed a £250 million contract with British industry team Tempest Partners, driving forward the next phase of the major national and international endeavour to develop the next generation of combat air. Known as Tempest, the future combat air system is expected to combine a core aircraft with a whole network of capabilities such as uncrewed aircraft and advanced data systems to form a next generation mix designed to enter service from the mid-2030s. Marking the formal start of the program's concept and assessment phase, the investment forms part of more than £2 billion worth of UK government spending on the project over the next four years, as announced in the recent Defence Command paper. And that was the news. Time now for Group Editor-at-Large Alan Warnes, who is in conversation with Gary Waterfall, former Air Vice Marshal in the UK RAF and current military advisor to the DSEI exhibition and conference on what visitors to the event might expect come September. So this week we've got Gary Waterfall on the show, who's a senior air advisor, and he will be part of the organisation that is organising DSCI. Welcome to the show, Gary. Hey, thanks, Alan, and it's good to hook up with you once more. Yeah, and yourself. So why should people visit DSCI? Well, that's a really good question, isn't it? Well, DSCI, I think, as you know, is running sort of 14 to 17 uh, September this year at the Excel. And it's pretty much seen increasingly, and definitely is, the event of events for the defence industry. It's the place to be at, it's the place to be seen. And it's really critical, I think, for the whole of the industry. And when I mean that in the broadest sense, 
So it's not just the defence industry and supply chain, but it's also um, for defence itself, from UK defence and international. And I think why this year more than any other year is we've been through this pandemic and we're coming out the other side of it, we hope. But after this prolonged global lockdown, it's really going to help kickstart the whole defence industry. As you know, it looks across the land, the aerospace, the naval, the joint and securities, as well as actually providing quite an extensive keynote and seminar programme. Now, during the time that we've been all locked away, and I'm speaking from my home office today, we've all kind of you know, pivoted and we've changed out of necessity to work online. But all of us, Alan, I've even missed seeing you face to face. And it's going to be really good, actually, to hook up once more people face to face. And that's what DSEI is going to offer this year, um, a chance to get together, renew old acquaintances and contacts and help to drive business forward. But we're also well aware that not everyone around the world that normally goes to DSEI is going to be able to come because of restrictions, which I'm sure will be enforced at that stage, which is why what we've also done this year is set up DSEI Connect. And what that is, is a virtual platform and it's been developed to give access to DSEI contact and business development opportunities for those who either can't attend in person or for those that are there in person and need to reach out to those that can't travel themselves. Oh, okay. And do you have a link for that now, Gary? So that's when you register to go to DSEI, you are automatically, and the registration is live today, Alan, and as you register, you'll get access to DSEI Connect And what that enables you, it's a brilliant online portal. It enables you to see who else is attending. So if you're there face-to-face, you can build up what I would call my dance card of who you want to see and at what time and arrange meetings. And actually, it's a bit better than that because let's say you and I wanted to meet there or I wanted to meet with someone from one of the companies and bring you into the room, but you couldn't travel or weren't there on that day. We can connect with you virtually so we can have a three-way meeting at the Excel with you joining us virtually as you know, whoever I'm meeting with face-to-face as well. So it's really good, it's really flexible, and it really speaks volumes to the way that DSEI has listened to the market, listened to the restrictions, and made sure that the environment they're going to create, safe, secure, but accessible for as many as possible. Great. I mean, over the last uh, 18 months, we've found so many new innovative ways of talking yeah. to each other and and, and it's great how these things have evolved. And I guess it would never really change, I think. I think you might see people travelling a lot less now as well, which, of course, will be good for the, um, the climate. Yeah, I think it will be. And as you're right, the environment's got a big part to play in it now. And the fact that we care far more about the environment than we ever have done, and rightly so, if I may say so. But there is no replacement for meeting face-to-face, I think, particularly for new contacts in business to establish your relationship with someone, your personal and professional relationship. And then you can work in that virtual world sort of downstream, can't you? But we'll never get away from the need, I think, to be face-to-face. No, no, not at all. I know running Air Force monthly and combat aircraft, how it's all done digitally and you learn so many different softwares and do so many different things. Yeah. And, then, and then you're going on softwares like Zoom, Teams or whatever to talk to people. It's crazy world compared to what it was two years ago. Exactly right. So will masks be mandatory at DSEI? So it's a good question in terms of what are we going to do at DSEI in terms of dealing with the ever-present threat, if you like, from COVID. We're working really closely with all of the government agencies and kind of the updated version 
that the government originally authorised, which was the all-secure guidance. And I suppose the key four areas for us are social distancing, cleaning, hygiene, sanitation, activities that create pinch points, funnel points, and documentation and process. In terms of will masks be mandatory, as you know, and you've seen this from um, the Euros, there's a whole series of test events that have been conducted throughout this period so the government can learn more about different COVID access control measures. So we've got nothing mandated currently, bearing in mind DSCI is close, but it is in September. There's still a little bit of water to go under the bridge. Uh, so from a DSCI perspective, we'll be working really closely with the venue themselves, but also new and council to ensure that what's creating at DSCI is safe and secure for all. Excellent. Well, the good news for me is that the government announced this week that uh, the people to uh, COVID-19 vaccinations will be allowed to uh, visit the UK, which means that I can actually now go and visit DSCI, which a week ago yeah. I couldn't have done. So that's good news. So, you know, Alan, it's really good. We really welcomed the latest international travel guidelines that are coming out you know, in place from the sort of next week, the second, from the US and also from the EU. But, you know, we absolutely accept that come September there are going to be some people overseas that won't be able to attend due to restrictions in the UK or indeed in the country that they come from, which is why I think we've made so much here of the DSCI Connect to make sure from a virtual perspective they can engage and also they'll be able to hear the keynotes. They'll be able to get access to some of the big speeches that are going on. So they're going to get as much quality almost as much as actually being there in live. We're going to do the best we possibly can. The one thing we can't do, Alan, is we can't sort out time zones. Um, we've yet to work out in DSEI how to make the world stand still and everyone work on the same time zone. So there's going to be difficulties for sure if you're on the other side of the world. But wherever we can, we're making it equally accessible virtually as it is live. What that doesn't say, of course, is don't come to DSEI. Back to one of our earlier points, it's going to be a great live event. Great. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And and how is this year's DSCI going to differ from previous editions? Because I, I think the size of the RAF and the fleet air arm stands will be will be bigger and there'll be space, of course, now, which uh, wasn't such a big thing two years ago when the last one took place. Yeah, you're dead right. So um, it's, and it's bigger just uh, from an increased air presence, the air and space presence. The design was to increase it by some 300%. It is significantly larger than it has been in previous years, and it's going to be the strongest aerospace offering that's been there, fully supported by the RAF. And of course, the Space Hub coming back, which really kind of helps to pinpoint this as the show, which is sitting under the theme, really, of multi-domain integration. And Stratcom are leading this. I met with the Vice Chief of Defence Staff right at the start of my interaction with TSEI. And what we wanted to do there was ensure that we had one overarching theme from defence that they could project in unison around the floor. And that theme is the multi-domain integration, very much a flavour of the recent integrated review. So Stratcom have got a much, much bigger presence than last year and are headlining in every single respect, which is great. They've also got the Future Tech Hub sitting within Stratcom area, which is in partner with Fujitsu. And that's really, I think, looking at where we need to be from a future tech focus and bringing people from all over the supply chain and the subject matter experts down in the supply chain that probably have got the sort of the jewel in the crown and the answer that's going to help unlock one of defence's conundrums. 
And I think the last thing I'd say is, how's it going to differ from previous editions, is the whole thing is going to look different. The floor plan has been set out in a totally new way, really to make the people that go easier for them in terms of navigation around the site and their actual experience that they're going to get when they're there. Right. So you mentioned multi-domain integration there, and this is where, of course, DSCI will be more attractive to many Air Forces, Armies, Navies, because when you go to the likes of Farnborough, it's all just mainly aerospace orientated. So DSCI has this multi-domain thread running through it, and it should be a, a more attractive proposition to many of the countries around the world. Would you agree with that? So, I mean, every event has its place in the calendar from a naval show, an army show, and you know, an air show without a shadow of a doubt. I think what you're going to get at DSCI this year isn't single arms of the services standing there. You're going to see defence as a whole. And this is really important because we've just come out of Brexit. We've just come out of the integrated review. We've got the publication of the Defence Security Industrial Strategy and everything is glued together by this need for multi-domain integration because no more can we really use space in isolation or cyber in isolation because just those two domains alone just filter across every other of the more traditional arms of UK defence, the land, air and the sea. So everything is entwined in a knot together under the banner of multi-domain integration. We talked previously, I'm sure you and I, Alan, have talked previously about the aerospace zone. You know, air is kind of the glue of joint operations because there isn't an operation that would go on without engaging air. But let's just go a little bit higher than that. Sitting above all of that is space, is cyber. The digital backbone is so important across all of the services and wider, of course, out into sort of government and cross agencies as well. So what you are going to get at DSEI And like I say, every show has got its place in the canon, but what you're going to get from DSCI is a real showing of what defence is doing as opposed to single arms of the services. Right. Okay. And um, are we going to see a lot more on the next generation Air Force at DSCI, more about UAVs or RPADs, and of course, a lot more about Tempest as well? well. We'll see a lot more on these topics. Yeah, we definitely will. And, um, you know, the recent outlooks by uh, HMG in terms of where we're going with Tempest is really welcome news. Along with all these services, we've been engaged throughout uh, with the service to help them build the stand that they need in the aerospace zone or the land or the Navy zone. And for, you know, the Air Force, the next-gen Air Force is really going to take centre stage. They're actually positioned, what I would term as pretty much crowd centre, in the hall at Excel in the aerospace zone. And what the Air Force are doing is looking to seek industry input on their tech developments that's going to help them drive aerial dominance into the 2030s and beyond. And that's pretty much what they've centred on as their theme is this. You know, they want to drive aerial dominance and they need industry's help, conventional, non-conventional, to help drive that forward. So you can expect to see elements of Tempest there. You can expect to see elements of what we would know as the loyal wingmen or swarming drones. But also, I think you'd expect to see some elements of synthetics and how the synthetics can help guide the future. And again, that's a subject that you and I have talked long and hard about previously. Right, yeah. And of course, with Brexit now, the UK is looking for more people to sell to and to work with. And I guess that's attractive uh, for them. DSCI is attractive as well, both for the people, companies in the UK and for 
people overseas who might want would work with companies in the UK? Yeah, I mean, we are, you know, we are absolutely loud and proud post-Brexit here. Um, Global Britain, let's look at what's going on right now around the world. Look at Carrow Strike Group 21. There we have probably the largest maritime deployment for some considerable length of time, a fifth-gen deployment as well, on its first outing. And it's going all the way out to the Pacific and the uh, South China Seas. You know, it, yes, for sure, looking at upholding the international regulations and law but also as a real demonstration of what UK is still able to do as a global power and underpinned massively by the support and success of UK industry. That goes right from seeing Queen Elizabeth all the way down to the supply chain that are producing the washers, the nuts, the wires that go on to Queen Elizabeth and the fifth gen aircraft and everything in between. So actually going out and exposing this is a really good thing. But of course, that's one thing. But then from a home perspective, having DSCI as this defence show of all defence shows based in UK with a global presence, both in terms of delegations visiting, but in terms also of transmission around, allows the UK to stand on this stage. And that's what DSCI is providing for the UK to talk about defence and security from a global perspective both in terms of prosperity from UK industry, but also the importance of international defence and security. Right, of course. Um, when I beat DSI previously, the RAF didn't seem to take much interest in it, but now they have. Is that all because of you? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to claim that, Adam. I'd like to claim that, but but it isn't, of course. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say they, um, they, they definitely weren't less engaged before. What they probably didn't, and this is the, the journey that we're all on, from single services to jointery to fusion together and to multi-domain integration. And I think, you know, the Air Force have definitely realised and realised some time ago that the Air Force has always been and must stay on the leading edge of technological innovation in everything that it does. And that's everything from projecting air power through to organisations and cybersecurity and space. It's back to them what DSCI 21 offers. It's given that you know, exceptional platform to actually look at unpicking, exploring those challenges, you know, whilst at the same time projecting out. So from my side, if you ask the question, is that what I've done? I've seen this on the other side of the fence, of course. I've been to DSCI as an airman. And you know, as an Air Force, you have uh, the other events, you have Fairford, you have the Air Power Chiefs Conference, and you can only do so much engagement. But I think what's been realised, what has definitely been realised is the other events that occur are very good for what they do. But if you're going to start bringing it up the level and the Air Force just being one component of all of those domains, then unless you talk across all of the domains and have the Air Force as an adjunct to that, you're going to lose pace and you're going to lose some of the narrative. Hence, I think that's why the Air Force have now come to the realisation that it is important. And of course, it's no mistake. Space is absolutely across all the domains. The Navy right now are probably the biggest user of the space domain as it happens. But air and space are inextricably linked and the space zone is within the aerospace zone. So air and space together just promotes the worth and the need for it to be talked about on a broader stage. 
Oh, right. Okay. And and talking of space, how much of the space has been sold at DSCI so far? <laughs> That's a really good and almost quite humorous segue, isn't it? <laughs> so I guess um, what what have we seen? I mean, let's talk because it's not going to be as big as it was in 2019. Right. Because there's been a pandemic on, you know, for, that's, yeah. that's for sure. So what have we done? DCI, we've retained 70% of our bookings right. that we already had for 2021, which is really good. Yeah. And some have elected to transfer to 23 of that. But what we have done is retained all of the big primes that wanted to come to DCI 21, which is brilliant. We're also, we're welcoming some hundred new exhibitors and we've got 19 international pavilions confirmed. So it's going to be a smaller product from 2019, as I said so. But actually, considering where we are with the pandemic, I think we're in a really, really good place. We've just done a lot of work just to rejig the floor spacing. So it still seems how a DSCI always does, because no one wants to walk past an empty stand and stuff like that. So all of that's just been completed to make it look as vibrant as it always has been. But I guess... What we've also learned is back to this business of harness the digital and the virtual era. So those that can't come, we're going to, through the DSCI Connect, be able to engage out to them. Right. Okay. And of the exhibitors that are going to be there, what percentage of them are from the UK? I wouldn't know that off the top of my head, Alan, but um, it's primarily, there's going to be a vast majority of UK even some of the international, the international companies, of course, that are UK footprint, but it comes back to, you know, we've got, whilst you shouldn't walk away with you, it's just UK. Like I said, there are 19 international pavilions. I know, you know, Saab is a great example. We'll have their UK presence and then a link out into Sweden if Sweden can't travel over at the time. And that's probably how it is for most of them, to be honest. Okay. And of course, in the past, there's been conferences there, DSCI. How will the conferences be organised this year? And how will the uh, keynote speakers address the audience? I guess you won't have a big hall of people sitting in there, sweating, watching, listening to a a keynote speaker this year. (laughs) No, definitely. So what we've we've learnt, and we're not going to hold a day zero conference, which is what we normally do for DSEI. And in response to feedback, we've elected not to run that day zero conference. However, what we are going to have is seminar sessions running throughout the DSEI week. And just really to bring that in sharp focus, I'll just talk from Mo about one in particular, just by way of demonstration, and it's going to be given by the seminar session by Air Vice Marshal Maria Byford. Maria is the Chief of Staff for Personnel in the Royal Air Force, and the title of her seminar session is Developing the Next Generation Aviator, Aptitudes, Talents and Skills for the Digital Battle Space. And that's just an example of the many seminar sessions that will be going on during the week, which I think is going to really help. And you're going to have a mixture of these seminars of service people, academia and industry, which really epitomises the whole force approach to this and the multi-domain nature of it. Now, the keynotes, and you talked about you're not going to have a big conference room. No, we're not going to do that. We want the guys and girls that address in the keynotes and those that are there to listen. It's got to be a safe and secure and they need to be comfortable from a COVID perspective. So the keynotes are going to be delivered in a keynote studio, and they'll be delivered live to a small audience of the media, but it's going to be streamed with probably a small 10-minute latency around the venue in Excel, but also online via DSCI Connect for those people that can't actually get there. What that then means is, 
when the keynote speaker gets to the end of their presentation, he or she will still have another 10 minutes of it being uh, shown live in inverted commas around the venue. That will be the time that the media that are in the theatre, the small media centre, although obviously safe, they will have the opportunity to ask a limited number of questions to the keynote presenter in the way they normally would do, which of course will all be on the record. And then after 10 minutes, that will stop. And then the keynote presenter will step out of the media centre just as his or her presentation finishes and then be able to tour around the centre themselves. Oh, great. So us journalists will get a chance to ask some questions after all then? Yes, yeah, you definitely will. Now, clearly, there's only been a limited number of seats because we need to keep this safe and secure for all. So get in early, Alan, avoid disappointment. But yes, so there will be an ability to make this as live and interactive as you possibly can. And I think, you know, what I would say, that's just one small example of how DSEI have taken their approach to holding the event at the Excel in September. Yeah, when you look, I think it's a really bold decision for them to run the event. And they did this because of the overwhelming support from industry who wanted to engage face-to-face, but also from defence itself, you know, the Ministry of Defence and the civil services that wanted the event to go ahead, wanted to engage with the supply chain and with the subject matter experts. So it's been a bold move and it's working out. And now we're seeing some of the easing of the travel restrictions, which really helps us as well. And we are definitely on time, on track, as I would call it, to deliver a safe, secure and successful DSCI in September. Great. Well, I look forward to getting over there. And do you know, it's the first time I've spoken to a former Harrier pilot that's never told me he's flown a Harrier. <laughs> I try and keep it quiet, Alan. I definitely try and keep it quiet. But there we go. Well, do you know what? In fact, talk, talk yes. So, so what is it? It's, it's over 10 years now, isn't it? So there's, there's got to be a currency on how long you can say that for, I guess. I think there's a, you know, there's a whenever I talk to these pilots, they always say, you always know a Harrier pilot because he tells you within five minutes of meeting him that he used to fly Harriers. And uh, of course, I always say to them, well, if I flew a Harrier, I'd boast about it as well. <laughs> yeah, but Adam, I guess I'm plagued on both sides because if I don't say I'm a Harrier pilot, I say I'm a Red Arrow, both of which are human. Oh, of course, yes, of course you would. Yeah, of course you would, Gary. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks very much for that. Much appreciated. Not at all. been really good to see you, actually, Alan. For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the air domain, please visit the key aero and air international websites. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by and we hope to catch up with you again soon.